Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Psalm 19. For the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth, pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Chris. So my name is Tim. Um, I'm a member of uh, CCC, or as I like to call it, TRIPC. And I've lived in Dublin for seven years. There are two ways that we as humans communicate. Verbally, by the words we use and the sounds we make, and non-verbally, through our body language. This psalm, which uh, Grace just read out for us, demonstrates how God communicates to us using these two very distinct modes of communication. The first part of this psalm, verses 1 to 6, demonstrates the power of nature to communicate with humanity non-verbally. Non-verbally, God's creation, the whole realm of nature, communicates to us. It screams. It screams of God's majestic righteousness. Nature is a work of art that communicates non-verbally to us on a deep, deep level. But verse 7 signals a departure from this non-verbal mode of communication. Verse 7 states, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And verse 8 continues, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So God doesn't just communicate to us non-verbally. No, God also communicates to us verbally, as these verses describe, giving us his laws and his commands through his word, the Bible. Today is the first in our series of studying the Psalms and praying through them. And the aim for today is very simple. I've just got a new aim, finished within 18 minutes, but the aim for today is very simple. Firstly, to allow nature non-verbally to draw us closer to God. Secondly, to hear what God has to say through his word, verbally, and for both of these modes of communication to direct and inform our prayers and deepen our relationship with God. So that's what we're aiming to do in the next few minutes. Nonverbal communication is incredibly powerful. 
We encounter and have to read it every day. Even today, some people were coming up to me, kind of, they could sense my restlessness because my body language was conveying that. When words fail to convince us otherwise, we know when people are sad, happy, angry. Insert emotion there. Because their body language, non-verbally, communicates their emotions powerfully. And it is the same with nature. It powerfully communicates the glory and majesty of its creator. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And continues, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Declare, proclaim. Nature screams about its glorious creator, God. It says, this is not a mistake. The whole realm of nature is not a random occurrence. It is a work of art, an unrivaled masterpiece. Okay, I love this book here. I've read it twice, once in book form and once in audiobook form. And it's called, What Everybody Is Saying, An Ex-FBI Agent's Guide to Speed Reading People, okay? And in this book, he describes how he uses his body language expertise to catch criminals, stop dodgy business deals, and even help others find suitable romantic partners. But what I really want us to do is listen up to what he has to say on page 111. I'm just going to read you a short quote from this book. So this is what he says. You don't need a gun to get people to raise their hands above their heads. Make them happy and they'll do it automatically. In fact, during a holdup is probably the only time individuals will simultaneously keep their hands high and be unhappy. Think of how athletes exchange high fives after a good play, watch football fans raise their arms skyward after the hometown team scores a touchdown. It's, he is American. Gravity-defying arm actions are a common response to joy and excitement. Whether in Brazil, Belize, Belgium, or Botswana, arm waving is a truly universal display of how elated we feel. And it's really this last bit I love. Whether in Brazil, Belize, Belgium, or Botswana, arm waving is a truly universal display of how elated we feel. When I was a young kid, I was brought to sporting events. I didn't have to be told, raise your arms up when such and such scores a try or your team scores a goal. I just instinctively knew it. It wasn't that my dad sat me down and said, when we score a try, you have to raise your hands and pretend you're happy. I didn't know at five, six why I was so happy, but I just did it. It was universal. And what he is saying there is that across the world, when you raise your arms above your head, it's a universal nonverbal sign of elation and joy. So nonverbal communication is powerful and it is universal. And let's just go back into the psalm. Verse 3, there is no language or speech where their voice is not heard, talking about nature. It's universal. Then verse 6, discussing the sun, maybe the pinnacle of creation, in the sense that it sustains all of earth's life. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Nature communicates powerfully, non-verbally, to all humanity across time about its glorious creator, God. And somebody was asking me, I think it was Jason actually, where I'm from. So first six years of my life, I grew up in Canada. And I was thinking about today, and the happiest times of my life were actually as a kid growing up in Canada. We had this lovely big house, and next to us, we had a stream. 
In winter, it'd freeze over, and you'd learn to skate on it. And in winter, also, you'd go down and you'd get the icicles. And I think to this day, I still love ice. The house is never complete unless I have at least two kilos of ice in the house. But anyways, in the summer was when this stream really came into its stone. And the greatest days of my life were going down into the stream, lifting up a rock, and if I was really, really lucky, underneath, in a slight wiggle, would be a salamander, a, a newt, a lizard. And you'd pick them up, and you'd put them into a flora tub, you'd spend hours, and at the end of the day, you'd release them, and then the next day, you'd just kick it all off again, and probably catch the same ones, put them in a flora tub, and then release them and do this. But that was the happiest days. When I look back, I just, I've never enjoyed myself more than I did in those times. And I think that even as a kid, I was happiest here because these days in creation, in nature, spoke to me of something, or more accurately, of someone beyond. They, that's why it was so special. Uh, I moved to Dublin seven years ago to work in a place called Dublin Christian Mission, or DCM as I called it. And at that time, we ran camps in Wicklow throughout the summer for inner city kids uh, from the surrounding areas. In the forest by the campsite with the kids, I always had the same prayer. And you, it might surprise you, it was, please God, let us find a frog. <laughs> I was so eager for these kids to have the same joy, excitement, and delight that I had growing up. And I always remember having that prayer going, just let us find a frog. You know, we're in the forest, it's beautiful sunshine, or, or maybe even it's rain, it doesn't really matter, but we're outside, and I just, I just wanted a frog. I just wanted them to have that joy and that excitement and that sense of nature. And it never happened. That prayer was one of the ones, you know, left unanswered. It never happened. I left DCM in 2013, and I'm, I'm not proud of it or whatever, but I've never prayed for a frog since. That's just a fact, I guess. It's neutral. But I've never prayed for a frog since. But then, let me describe what happened to, to me on the 24th of the 2nd, 2017. This is, this is, you know it's important when you remember the date. So I was in up north in, in a, the Marble Arch Cave kind of arena up in Fermanagh, if you know that. And we were with a bunch of kids, so I changed jobs, still working with youth. And we're in a place called Paul Nagolem Cave. And it's like an L that has been shoved over, if that makes any sense. So it's a waterfall, and then the cave goes across the way. Does that make sense? Waterfall, and then the river goes across. So the cave is like 60 feet deep, but horizontal, if that makes any sense. Anyways, we got all the gear on, the ropes, the head things, the torches, and we went down. And we got to the very, very end of the cave. And... Uh, there's blocked off, there was a fall about 60 years ago. Um, and at the bottom of this cave, in the darkest place I've ever been, you know, ever, you know, in terms of your 60 feet from the entrance, there was one frog just sitting there. And it was amazing. All the kids, oh, they were so bored. They went straight back to swearing loudly and hearing the echo. But I was amazed. I was like, this is the best thing ever. I was just, I couldn't believe it. It was just this moment of pure joy, a moment of... Yeah, pure delight, being a child again and, and having that. And actually, somebody accused me of being a nerd recently. <laughs> but to dispel them, here's my gratefulness journal. And here is my response from that day. So, one second. so this is what I had to say about this, because I was so overjoyed. Uh, grateful for the frog. A beautiful reminder of your grace, provision, promises, love, wonder, sense of adventure. And that's what I said uh, to God in response to that. Because it just was. That was what it moved me to. I was so delighted with this. And you know what? It gets, um, it gets even better. May of this year, 
we had to navigate again in work a notoriously difficult uh, bog swing. So the swing, it's a rope swing, you swing over a bog, and the real uh, fun of it is when you fall in. I've never successfully <laughs> completed this bog swing, so the kids love it when you fall in. And every time you fall in, it becomes even more impossible because now your hands are all slimy and all that sort of stuff. Anyways, I was uh, gearing myself up for about the third or fourth attempt uh, to navigate this notoriously difficult rope swing over a bog when a kid, ye kid yelled, frog. And of course, they're not that interesting. I mean, they were interesting enough to yell it, but I was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. So they yelled frog, and we looked into the bog, and because everyone had fallen in, it was a bit murky, but there was these little kind of frog faces um, that kind of popping up everywhere. And I looked a bit, and I was like, oh, that's the biggest tadpole I've ever seen. So the frog had a big tail. And I got into the bog, as did the other kids, and I realized to my amazement and delight, it wasn't a frog, but the only natural lizard to Ireland. So it's called the common lizard. It's a relative of the salamander. And there was hundreds of them, okay? And I've never experienced this. I've never come across one in my life. Um, I'd say many people here probably didn't even know there is natural lizards to, to Ireland. But anyways, there was these hundreds of natural lizards, these relative of the salamanders. And I just, again, I have to return to my gratefulness journal, but I was just so overjoyed. So, one second. This is what I had to write on that day. Thank you, Father, for the common lizards that was such a precious gift to me. I love your care and hope for me. And that's what, um, that was what I was, you know, truly moved. I was moved to acknowledge the creator, moved to praise him by his creation. So, if we want nature to draw us closer to God, then what do we need to do? And I have a simple answer to this. If I can just get my notes. Um, we need to get into nature. I wouldn't have spotted those, you know, uh, common lizards if I wasn't for the, about the fifth time trying to pick myself up and go across a bog that I never wanted to go across in the first place. If we want nature to speak to us, to draw us closer to God, to have a sense of communication with Him, we need to get into nature. And we're lucky. We are spoilt. We are surrounded by incredible nature here if you live in Dublin. You know, you, you can get to the Phoenix Park even. It's beautiful. The biggest kind of park in, in, in Europe, to the best of my knowledge, is right there in the heart of our city. We're spoiled, but we need to get into nature. So go, get into nature, enjoy creation. When you enjoy that creation, don't stop there. Many generations, like I said, this non-verbal, powerful nature communicated to people across all time, they stopped there. They started worshiping the sun or started worshiping the different animals. Adore creation, enjoy creation, but don't stop there. Worship the creator, okay? So we need to get into nature, we need to enjoy creation, but we need to worship the creator. Pray and give thanks to God using nature as your inspiration. And thirdly, we need to protect nature. Our earth is suffering because of humanity's greed. And we have a responsibility, as does every single person on this planet, to protect that and let the next generation have those wondrous moments of, of finding these incredible creatures in this beautiful landscape. So those are the three things that we need to do in response to this. Nature is a powerful non-verbal communication that points to the incredible creator, but alone it is not enough. As Tim, Timothy Keller puts it when discussing this psalm, nature tells us about God's reality and power, but not about his saving grace. 
Only the Bible can enlighten the spiritually blind, verse 8, and refresh the soul, verse 7. The second part of this psalm is all about how God communicates to us verbally through his word, the Bible. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts, which I looked up, means guiding principles of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Our first prayer then in response to this is, must be, give us a love for your word. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to us, so that we might have a fear of the Lord that endures forever. Like I said to you, uh, somebody recently slagged me, or yeah, we're saying that I was a nerd, and I want to finally dispel that because I've been reading a book recently called Humble Pie, a comedy of maths errors by Matt Parker, which is all about all these terrible <laughs> maths faults and all the chaos that's caused. And, hum and the pie part, part is spelt like P-I, you know, that 3.14 thing. But anyways, in the chapter titled Bridge Over Troubled Maths, he details the multiple engineering fa failures of bridges over the years because of faulty maths. In the year 2000, in London, the Millennium Walkway Bridge was open to much fanfare. The engineers had done their research carefully and ensured that the bridge wouldn't bounce up and down as many infamous bridges had done in the past. Okay? However, they had completely overlooked lateral movement. The bridge was opened and people flooded across it. It started to violently swing side to side. And this is why, as the author states, most people walk at about two steps per second which means that their body swings side to side once a second. A human walking is, for all bridge intense purposes, a mass vibrating at one hertz, which was the perfect rate to get the bridge wobbling. It matched one of the bridge's resonant frequencies. You'll be glad to know, I won't pretend to fully understand what that means. But basically, and I did ask somebody who's semi-musical, Jordan, uh, the bridge was tuned like a giant guitar string, effectively. The masses of people walking struck a chord, quite literally, causing the bridge to vibrate and swing so violently side to side. And I tell this story because it's all about revealing a hidden fault. The engineers had no idea that their bridge was flawed until it was spectacularly shown to be so. They'd done all the research, they, and it, the bridge didn't bounce, it didn't go up and down, which is the, the failings of many and the flawed of many other bridges in previous generations. So I tell you this story because it can be the same for us. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults, just like that bridge that they never saw coming. We are the same. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. This is what it says in verse 12. What resonates with the frequency of our heart that shouldn't? What is it that we've got hidden in us? An attitude, uh, uh, a leftover of something that just shouldn't be there. And have we hidden it? Do we, do we not bring it into the light? Do we not acknowledge it? What do you tolerate that has no place in your life? For me, as a city group, which is our small groups that meet during the week, uh, we recently decided to go to a climate change um, seminar by one of the kind of leading Irish climate change uh, environmentalists. I'm 29. Uh, at no point up until this time a month ago did I ever really consider truly the impact, my personal impact on our earth. 
I was blown away and convicted. And it's not that I don't recycle. I do recycle. I try and make decisions. But I just, I was completely and utterly convicted. I had a hidden fault. I just wasn't taking seriously the peril our earth is in. And I have a responsibility. And I, and I was convicted. So maybe there's something for you. And I thought, uh, yeah, we could actually just take 20, 30 seconds of silence now to ask God to reveal in us our hidden faults. So we know that we have hidden faults, or at least we do now, blind spots that we are yet to recognize. But what about verse 13? Verse 13, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Willful sins. So whilst we don't know our hidden faults, we do know um, the sins that we are always committing, the sins that have power over us, and that at times seem to rule over us. When I read that, my heart sunk, because in some ways it's nice to kind of go, yes, I've got hidden faults, and yeah, let me know about them, God, but I'm not too worried about them because I'm not deliberately doing them. But when you come across this willful sins, that's when I really felt the conviction, because I'm thinking there's so many to, to, to list for me where I could go, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And for me, I think the two biggest ones are kind of lust and jealousy, two sins that I regularly willfully commit and allow that power over me. And it's, it's fair to say those sins and many others can rule over me. And, and you know, that's devastating because we need to be kept from these. And, and like this verse says, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. And what is it for you? It might be something different. I don't know. It might be the exact same, but chances are it's something different. So in conclusion, I appreciate that for some of you today, you might not know what to make of what I've been saying. You may feel that you've never been communicated to by God, either non-verbally through nature or verbally by his word. Can I encourage you? Get out into nature and secondly, open the Bible. We here at this church are flawed, sinful people who by the grace of God have heard the truth that God loves us and he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That's, that's, that's it. If, you, if you're a believer, if you call yourself a believer, then the advice is actually the same. You need to get out into nature. Let creation draw you closer to the majestic creator. We need to pray for a love of the word, the Bible, so that we can be kept from willful sins May they not rule over us and instead have a pure fear of the Lord that endures forever. Finally, we need to ask God to reveal in us hidden faults and repent of them. Amen. 